Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. My name is Ryan Miner, and you are listening to a minor detail brought to you in our brand new format by Change Montgomery County. Last week, we had a informative, invigorating, and thoughtful conversation about Maryland's heroin epidemic, and I just want to thank again Delegate Brett Wilson, uh, Sheriff Joe Gamble, and Andrea Walters, Vice Principal at Easton High School in Talbot County, for joining us on the program. Uh, I have to tell you, I think we made a significant impact last week with our program. I've had many uh, parents and some emails and people from uh, all over the place in the state of Maryland um, listen to the show, listen to the podcast that we had released, and uh, I think it will make an impact. And we're going to definitely follow up uh, with uh, the uh, Delegate Wilson and uh, the Sheriff and, and Andrea to uh, to keep this story fresh because it needs to be and I applaud uh, the Hogan administration for tackling a serious problem like heroin. And uh, public information, like Delegate Wilson said last week, this is the way that we are going to work together. So last week, during the latter half of the show, we had Frank Howard, who is the president of Change Montgomery County. And Frank talked a little bit about what Change Montgomery County will be. And you can find Change Montgomery County on the web at changemoco.org. That is changemoco.org. And Change Montgomery County, which is the network that is now hosting a minor detail, my show. I am your host, Ryan Miner. Uh, Change Montgomery County is a nonprofit startup registering as a 501c4 focused on education and advocacy, providing community engagement tools to residents of Montgomery County, Maryland. And our goal and our mission is to build a movement for change by encouraging and supporting the development of grassroots leaders committed to improving the quality of life for everyone. And my radio show, now part of the Change Montgomery County Network, uh, will be a uh, one of uh, hopefully many to come uh, to talk about issues uh, that directly affect Change Montgomery County. Tonight's show, uh, w- as we advertised and broadcasted, we're going to approach with a great deal of sensitivity, and uh, I, I want to be absolutely transparent that our show tonight, which is focused on the incidents of reported sexual abuse and exploitation in Montgomery County Public Schools, as reported by the WUSA 9 article uh, that was uh, released last week, we're going to approach this show with a degree of sensitivity, and uh, there's going to be probably some uncomfortable moments in this show, but as concerned citizens of Montgomery County and really all over the state of Maryland, uh, these issues need to be discussed, and we have to be able to communicate with children and use teachers and uh, professionals to explain these types of issues and to make sense of it all and finally find solutions. So tonight's show, uh, as I advertised and we broadcasted through Change Montgomery County, is How Could This Happen? And the article last week from WUSA 9, um, it was reported on by Andrea McCarran. Full disclosure, I asked Andrea to be part of the show. She had, she said that she would need to clear it with her uh, her news director. Unfortunately, we could not make that happen tonight. Um, I did reach out to several individuals for this show, and uh, we will have two guests tonight, and hopefully I encourage you to call in as parents. So according to the article that was released by WUSA 9, more than 20 
Montgomery County Public Schools employees or contract workers have been investigated for child sexual abuse or exploitation since 2011. Naturally, and uh, of course, parents are extremely upset. Uh, Kim and I have two children in Montgomery County Public Schools, and it is deeply alarming. Um, and not, as according to the article, not just by the alleged crimes, but the fact in many cases, according to WSA 9, the complaints and warning signs were either ignored or disregarded by the school system. I would be remiss as a journalist or maybe not a journalist, I don't want to go that far, but as a radio show host, not to invite all parties involved. Um, I did reach out to Montgomery County Public Schools for a statement, and we had worked together, and I will read that statement uh, soon on the air. Um, WUSA did report that um, it counted 21 Montgomery County Public Schools employees or contract workers who have been investigated for child sexual abuse or exploitation in just the last four years. Many, according to the article, have been prosecuted, and the article itself uh, uses a scrib format, uh, which is a way to release public documents online. It's embedded into this WUSA 9 article. Um, and they go on to talk about a gentleman who was a contract employee who worked at uh, 58 schools, according to the article, he was a security technician, and he was caught on surveillance grabbing the behind of a 12-year-old Baker Middle School student, and he's alleged to have done the same uh, type of activity in Damascus High School. Um, and then it talks about a few other people. There was an elementary school teacher who was terminated by MCPS uh, but was never criminally charged. Um, and, of course, Montgomery County Public Schools did decline a request for the WUSA 9 article. However, I did reach out. So tonight, what our show is going to be about, what this is all about, how we can talk to our kids. And I have uh, some guests that will be joining me uh, momentarily. Um, so I have someone calling in now. So my first guest is uh, Jean. Uh, Jean, how are you tonight? I'm doing fine. How are you? I am very well. Jean, you are a clinical psychologist. Is that correct? You, I, pardon me if I mistake or misplace your credentials. It's a clinical social worker. You are a clinical social worker. You're based right. in Bethesda, Maryland. And so one of the reasons why I had asked you to join us uh, on the show tonight is because this entire issue revolves around children. It revolves around how parents can talk to their children. And during our conversation offline, uh, we, we talked a lot about um, the impact that this show could or, or that could have and how – uh, children may have a lot of questions, and now parents in public schools are wondering how can we get to the bottom of this. And I, I, I just I want you to we're just going to have a casual conversation, and I just want you to be able to speak directly to parents that have concerns and that who have young children in our schools. And I guess my my first question to you is what are some of the warning signs of abuse that parents and community members uh, should be on the lookout for with their kids? Well. You know, it can vary somewhat. How some kids become more withdrawn. You know, there's usually a noticeable change in their behavior that occurs over a period of days or weeks. Um, and in the beginning, you know, parents may think they are, you know, tired or there's something else going on, and maybe there is. However, if that behavior continues um, and they um, are expressing um, distress. They, in other words, are easily um, dysregulated or become upset over things that in the past did not seem to make a difference to them. 
Um, they uh, may talk about um, secrets um, and ask parents what they think about telling secrets or keeping secrets. Um, they also may have some physical signs in terms of they may begin to um, show some um, sexualized behavior that right. wasn't there before, or they may show sexualized behavior that is way beyond their years. Um, you know, there are certain things that we know that our kids at various ages are exposed to, and then there are things that our kids can't conceive of because, you know, that their adult, their adult behaviors that don't occur to young children and if you have a child who is describing those kind of behaviors or sometimes what they do is they keep reenacting a certain behavior that's a part of what's happening in the abuse, um, those can all be indicators uh, that there's sexual abuse going on. I think, you know, as parents, we want to have a balance. We try not to frighten our kids and give them too much information. On the other hand, we don't want to ignore the topic. Um, I think... One of the most disconcerting things for parents is to realize that the most sexual abuse occurs by someone that is well-known to the child. Right. Um, as individuals and as a society in general, we prefer to think about sexual abuse as something that only occurs with pedophiles that are strangers and out in the community, and in reality, that is actually a much smaller percentage of the sexual abuse cases that occur. Right. Um, and if they begin to um, talk about not being comfortable or not liking this person anymore or, you know, when they spend time with this person, they get this yucky feeling or sometimes it makes their stomach hurt, uh, things like that can sometimes be um, indicators that there's something going on that's really creating a tremendous amount of discomfort for them. And as children, they often aren't able to identify or be specific about what's happening um, because it's so outside of their realm of things that happen in life. Absolutely. You know? and, I, and, and I'm reading some of the detailed content and, and they place the types of behaviors in the context and I, I don't want to get any gra I don't want to get graphic and I'm sure that you have read the uh, WUSA 9 report and uh, my, my first when if students are subject to this and they mm -hmm. they first talk to their mom and dad I know that that can be a fearful moment and now do you in your experience do Students naturally have an inclination to approach a teacher or a principal or an adult they trust at a school to say, look, um, I, I want to talk to you about something uncomfortable. What's the natural reaction for uh, a, a, an adolescent or somebody between the ages of 5 to 10? How are they going to process this type of behavior if it happens to them? Well, I think that they will often choose an individual they feel safe with and – they may choose an individual that is not a parent because often um, sexual abusers have said things that are either threatening about the parent or led them to believe that the parent will blame them. And young kids are not able to so separate that out and understand that that's not what would occur. No matter how much we convey to them, how much we love them, whenever a sexual predator introduces that thought and starts hammering it, hammering away at it, they tend to get caught up in that. So either they're fearful 
that something will happen to the parent if they tell the secret or that something will happen to them. Um, and they sometimes will end up disclosing to some other trusted or safe person in their community rather than to the parents. And it's not because I think as parents we don't want to hear, because all of us would like to know if that was happening to our child. We would like to be able to take action immediately. And, you know, many times we are amazed that they have thought that they couldn't tell us. Uh, However, it happens much more frequently than we would like to think. And I think it has a lot to do with, you know, what occurs with the sexual predator and what um, messages he gives the child about what's happening. Um, And I think that um, is true to some degree with adolescents, too, because it's not unusual for a sexual predator to imply that the adolescent is the one that wanted this and it was their fault. They were coming on to the sexual abuser and that's why this occurred. Um, And so that kind of makes it more difficult for them to talk to someone about it because they are dealing with a lot of shame around the fact that they're the person that's responsible. Absolutely. And And if you're just... If you're just joining the show now, we are live on a minor detail brought to you by the Change Montgomery County Network. I am on the uh, I am talking with uh, Jean Lauterbach, who is a clinical social worker. You're based in Bethesda. You have over 20 years of practice, and I'm sure that you have seen um, a long uh, lineage of uh, issues that are based uh, in how children react to traumatic events described mm-hmm. uh, in the WUSA 9 article. And I want to I want to give people who are listening the opportunity to call in and, and discuss if they desire to. Our call-in number is 646-716-5971. Jean, we have uh, a community of resources uh, in Montgomery County to um, help students who, if they have been victim to this type of behavior, Um, Mm -hmm. some of the resources, uh, you being one of the resources, to come out and really help him cope, to understand, and to grow past this. What are some of the the coping mechanisms that children will feel um, and and use to, um, to, to, I guess, fend off this behavior? And I know that some children may even compartmentalize that. Could you speak a little bit about that? Well, I think... um that some children, depending on the child, the situation in which it incurs, how long it's been going on, those factors sometimes influence how the child copes. So some children, you know, may be able to say, stop, I don't want you to be doing this. They may, depending on who the um, predator is, they at that point may become more threatening or they may back off. So it's very difficult for us to know sometimes, you know, what to tell our kids. Um, I think it's important for them to know that they have the right to tell someone that they aren't comfortable with that person touching their body. Now, in lieu of that, you also have to include the fact that sometimes when people are very ill, they go to the doctor with their parents, um, and the doctor may examine them while the parent is there. And that is different. People who want to touch um, your body and they cause you to have like yucky feelings inside or feelings of being uncomfortable when you're around them or they want you to keep a secret about it, those are the people that are not really the kind of adults that you want your children to be following 
their request and you want your child to be able to say with someone like that, no, you're you're not my doctor, my mommy is not here, my dad is not here, I'm not doing this. Right. And, you know, I'm going to tell. Now, sometimes they are so frightened in that situation that they're not able to do that. And it's important, you know, I think the first and most important thing is that if they disclose some behavior um, that sounds sexually inappropriate, the first thing to do is to believe them. Uh, that is one of the most effective ways to help them be able to get past this because one of the factors in recovery is how the first person that they disclosed to responded. You know, did that person believe them? Did that person, uh, you know, validate how they felt and that it was not okay? So uh, I think it's hard because sometimes parents think, well, how could this be happening? I mean, how could this person be doing this? Um, And it may be hard to validate it. Um, it, it sure is. On the and other hand, it's rare that kids actually make accusations about things like this that something hasn't occurred. And that leads me into my my next question: that when when students or parents read an article like the WUSA nine article, mm-hmm. and they they first re, their first reaction is emotional. And we and look, I I want to be uh, candid with you in the audience that as we were listening. Um, and we were watching the article and watched the video that mm-hmm. our first emotion was anger. And mm-hmm. we thought, how in the world could a organization and an entity such as mm-hmm. this, that we entrust our kids every single day, allow something like this to happen? But then our mm-hmm. next reaction was preemptive, preemptive action to say, now, mm-hmm. now that we have this information at our disposal, what can we do as parents to preempt this from happening? And that would probably be the first step is we want our kids to be safe, but we also want them not to worry because, look, our kids are 8 and 11 years old. We don't want them to worry mm-hmm. about these types of articles. We want them to go to school, to be in an environment that is ultimately conducive to learning each and every day where they feel free and happy. but and now, safe. yeah, exactly. It's safe. So, as moms and dads all across Montgomery County, how would you uh, preemptively sit down with your children, and what is the first step in having that conversation with them? Well, um, I would say that sometimes people that work at schools, you may tell them or share with them something that someone has done that has caused you to feel very uncomfortable, and you feel like that the person didn't really understand you or they didn't do anything about it. And when that happens, it's okay for them to tell the parent because if the school is not listening to them, then they need to get your assistance to help the school listen. Um, I think that, again, you want it to be focused on, you know, touching that feels bad, that's hurtful, um, that, you know, causes a person to feel kind of icky inside or um, that they're not comfortable with um, so that they understand that if they did disclose to someone at school and that person didn't listen to them, you want them to let you know too. Right. Because and the person look- at school say, well, well, we'll take care of this and don't worry, this isn't going to be a problem for you anymore. And maybe it isn't a problem for them, but it's a problem for someone else, you know, um, because if the school is not, able or not willing to take action, 
then um, the behavior does get repeated. And I think that's one of the things that was brought out in um, the video, that this is behavior that doesn't occur just one time and then the person doesn't do it anymore. It's not like that. It tends to be behavior that's repetitive, um, especially the if there are no consequences. Sure, part mm-hmm. of the mission of our organization, uh, Change Montgomery County, we build mm-hmm. bridges into the community. We we go uh, and we we tackle these tough issues, and our end goal is to, uh, when there's a problem, uh, we like to supply a remedy. We like to supply a, mm-hmm. uh, a not just a talking point or a uh, just a bullet point, but we really tackle these problems. Work with community leaders, uh, work with county officials. So let me ask you this, Gene: what 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 are some of the county services um, are provided to help students um, cope with this? And you know, aside from your professional services, what what can Montgomery County do uh, governmentally to uh, to address this problem? Well, I know that um, there are some government funds and sometimes grants available. And at one point early in my career, I did work with, under one of those grants in which an individual goes around to the schools and uh, presents to teachers and staff, you know, what kinds of things define sexual abuse and what determines whether something is reported or not reported. And, you know, a factor here is that sometimes what happens with professionals is they uh, get caught up in feeling like rather than reporting a suspicion that they need to somehow have documentation or some other way to present that this is a concern. And so rather than reporting, they start the investigation themselves, and that's really the role of Child Protective Services. It's their job to follow up and investigate and determine if this is a concern or not a concern. And what may happen is uh, in some situations, if it was a one-time event and it was uh, like the video of the guy uh, touching a 12-year-old's bottom, um, right. grasping her buttock, then he may they may not do anything at that point. The reason it's important to go ahead and report this suspicion, though, is that they can begin to track things like that. If they're getting two or three reports from different organizations, that person is red flagged in the legal system and the the child abuse reporting system. And so we may minimize and say if our child tells us about something and it's one time and that person isn't going to be around them anymore or the school says we, we got rid of him, Sometimes it's important to go ahead and call in because you can call in the complaint yourself. You right. don't have to depend on the schools to do it. I mean, schools uh, and there are professionals who are mandated to report child abuse, and at the same time, other people can report child sexual abuse too. And you don't have to be convinced that it's happening. You only have to suspect that it's occurring, and then it's their job to determine if that's something that they can take action on or not. Jean, I want to read to you a statement by Montgomery County Public Schools. I, I I reached out to Montgomery County Public Schools. We reached out to many of the schools that were affected by this alleged sexual abuse, and unfortunately they did not respond to us. However, uh, we did receive a response from the Director of Public Information and Web Services, uh, Dana Tofig. 
Um, I may be pronouncing that name incorrectly, but if I am, I apologize. But nonetheless, I want to read to you a statement that was provided to me today by the Montgomery County Board, um, and this was from Dana Toffig. And he said, um, we we take the safety of our students very seriously, including allegations of abuse and neglect, especially when they involve members of our own staff. The overwhelming majority of the time, we get it right. Any allegation of abuse or neglect is reported quickly, investigated thoroughly by the authorities, and communicated fully. Some recent incidents have made it clear to the leadership of Montgomery County Public Schools and the Board of Education that we must review our practices, procedures, and policies in this area to ensure we are doing everything we can to protect children and that to be certain that our staff understands the responsibilities to report abuse. So that was a statement from Montgomery County Public Schools. Any thoughts on that? I mean, um, I think it's important that they are educating the people that are responsible for the reporting and that it needs to occur on a regular basis so it continues to reinforce the concept that it's important to report these things, even if this is a, a person that you think would be unlikely to do that kind of thing or if you assume that you don't want to, you know, disturb the person's life because this may not, this might be unfounded. It's not those kinds of decisions. It's Child Protective Services place. And, you know, on the one hand, it is helpful to sometimes have um, a central head in the institution that does the child abuse reporting. On the other hand, I think it's important for teachers and other people in the school system to understand that they can also report. Uh, reporting um, in situations like that can sometimes have repercussions if the organization has become, um, I guess, inflexible about who will do the reporting. So that's a concern um, that I think they need to look at because once you make it under the umbrella of one person, then you're kind of... um, you're at the mercy of whatever that person's perceptions are. And maybe this person will have excellent perceptions about child abuse and what needs to be reported, and maybe they won't because the bottom line is that, you know, some research shows that a person's private values and beliefs about families and kids and abuse in general can influence whether they report or not. Gene, I'm sorry, go go ahead. ahead. I was going to say that um, as we're as we're wrapping up our uh, this the the first segment of our show, um, I, I I would like to ask you to give a final thought to parents and your your take on this situation. I think that if you suspect that your child is being abused, and you know you're seeing things that you're uncomfortable with, and you're not certain if it's occurring or not, that if there's something going on with your child, it's okay to go see a professional and, you know, have them meet with the child and talk with them or meet with the parents and talk with them. Okay, this is what I'm observing. You know, what what do I need to do? Is this a problem? Is it not a problem? Because as parents, we are in complex systems now where we don't always know, you know, what is the next move we need to make and how do we respond. Uh, so on the other hand, we don't want to be perceived as being overly zealous, and at the same time, we want to protect our kids. We and do, and we want to be. Means, 
yes, we, you know, my thoughts are we need to be logical. We need to, mm-hmm. yes, we respond appropriately. There will be many, many emotions when it, re- especially if the subject is sexual abuse and it happens in our public schools. Mm-hmm. And moreover, to even if it happened to our own kids and God help that it does. But as parents, we need to think logically. We need to use reason and we need to ensure that our kids are safe in the public schools and address their concerns. And this cannot be taken lightly. And I believe that in, in any incident has to be reported and dealt with appropriately. Gina, uh, one one final question. Where can um, parents find you and on the web and how can they reach out to you personally? Um, I have um, an email, which is um, ejlauderback at gmail.com. Uh, where people can contact me, um, and uh, if they also look under therapist, they can find my website, which is under E. Jean Waterback. Um, and, you know, I am happy to meet with parents. Another thing I would suggest parents think about requesting from the school system is that, you know, that parents are offered the option of finding out what is abuse, what signs to look for. I mean, the school can provide those kinds of workshops for parents, ways of giving them information so that you feel like you have a grasp on when to be concerned and when not to be concerned. Absolutely. And overall, we all want to be reasonable and logical. The thing is, it triggers a lot of emotions, I think, for all parents. So definitely talking to someone else can help with that part. Jean, I, I thank you so much for your time and for your energy and passion and commitment uh, to providing the services that you do. And I thank you so much for joining us on our Change Montgomery County Network, and I certainly hope you'll join us again. Thank you so much for inviting you me. Bet. And um, I hope this will be helpful for some parents out there. Absolutely, it will. All right. Thank you again. All right, so thank we you. Had, we had Jean Lauterbach, who was a, is a uh, clinical social worker uh, in Montgomery County, and uh, she is... She joined us to talk a little bit about um, what's happening in Montgomery County Public Schools as reported on by WUSA 9. Um, The reports are that um, there was students in the public schools uh, in Montgomery County who were subject to sexual abuse, and there were teachers that were uh, never criminally charged, were one in particular, and this person um, certainly uh, made a made a a major problem for our public schools. We have to understand how to talk to our kids. We have to be able, as parents, as we discussed, to think logically, think reasonably, and to detail a game plan for our children to say, look, this is unacceptable, but this is what we're going to do. And like I said, I want to be ultra sensitive with this show because it's so important that um, we're using this show um, that... We're using this as a productive means. So uh, soon we'll have another guest be joining us on the show. Um, They will be hopefully calling in uh, momentarily. Um, But my name is Ryan Miner. You are on a minor detail uh, brought to you by the Change Montgomery County Network. Um, Just a little bit more background on the Montgomery County Public Schools. Um, I did, like I said, I did reach out and... um, (laughs) You know, being a being the producer of this show, sometimes it's uh, a bit challenging. 
Um, and not all people are willing to come on and being a sensitive topic like this, I certainly can understand. Now, I want to bring in a new caller. Um, we have with us Kara Smith from Bethesda. I'm trying to patch you in, Kara. Is this Kara? Hello. Yes, it Hi. is. Kara. Hey, how are you? Hi. Good. I, I Glad wanna, I could join I, you. Absolutely. So uh, we're talking with Kara Smith, uh, a marriage and family therapist. You're based in Bethesda. You have about 10 years of practice. And tonight we're talking about the Montgomery County Public School sexual abuse. Um, we were talking earlier in the show about how to talk to children and some of the methods that uh, parents can use uh, to speak with children. And I, I want to talk to you specifically tonight about how we can communicate better as parents, how teachers can communicate better. But first, I would like to get your take on uh, the WUSA 9 article and how it and, – and just talk a little bit about your feelings associated. Um, yeah, I mean, it's something that unfortunately, based on my experience, isn't that surprising. Not necessarily, you know, that it happened in Montgomery County, but just that it happens at all because, you know, I think – one of the biggest realizations as, you know, when I started, you know, 10 years, 12 years ago was how prevalent sexual abuse is in our society. Um, and so, unfortunately, it's something that all parents, all citizens need to be aware of as an issue that is possibly going to be faced by you or a member of your family and that it needs to be something that is talked about in a way that, is realistic, that is honest, and that is kind of proactive in how to protect yourself and your family. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're thinking about this clinically. We're, we're thinking about this logically, this, this problem. Right. Um, in today's society, what are some of the ways that uh, we can address sexual abuse and how it's handled uh, and how to reject this this uncomfortable stigma that parents and teachers and school officials have, and you know how can we speak straight up to the kids to say, "Look, this is the problem, and this is we're going to have to fix it because obviously with children, we have to be ultra sensitive right, and I mean, I think you start early with your kids talking about it, um talking to them about um you know making it a comfortable conversation. It has to be something, I, call, I always call it a conversation because you don't want to be preaching at them. You don't want to be giving them just a lecture because kids don't respond to that. What you want to be doing is having a conversation that's going to be ongoing and that changes as they you know, are developmentally changing as they're growing up um, because as they grow up, their awareness is different and what you can talk to them about is different. Um, right. So, so, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna. I was gonna no, go follow ahead. up with. I was gonna follow up the question with. Um, these changes always can't ca uh, simply just cannot be addressed with new regulations, new legislation, and I think it takes a, a depth of cultural work. But uh, in your experience, um, how uh, po politically speaking and maybe legislatively, how could some of these changes be addressed um, at the county level? Um, within our school system? I mean, I think that, yeah, I mean, I think the dialogue has to go on in the schools as well as in the homes. The dialogue in the school, obviously, is going to be a little bit different. It has to be, again, open and honest about the fact that this is happening and it can happen and what are the steps that schools have to take. I mean, I think it's a top-down um, 
you know, a top-down directive of how incidents will be handled in the schools. I mean, honestly, I, I don't work in the school, so I don't right. know specifically what, you know, what the regulations are at this point and what the, how, you know, the steps that they have to follow. Um, unfortunately, from reading the article, it seems like there wasn't a lot of transparency and, and, you know, within, you know, with, from the schools to the community. And that's something that is necessary for parents to be able to trust that they're sending their kids to a safe place. Well, uh, we want our kids to be in a safe place, especially in education. And we talked to our, our previous guest on the show tonight about how to how to talk to children and how to relate to them that it's okay to open up. Do you have a methodology that you would use, that you would use specifically with children to say, "This is your safe zone." You can open up. You can talk about these issues. And how do you extrapolate this information? Because ultimately, we want to stop the behavior that is occurring, the the, the, the sexual abuse. We want to make sure that right. we get – there's so many different steps in this process. We want to ensure that our, our kids are getting the help that they need. And then moreover, we want to put a legislative fix. And your area of expertise is talking with children, with families, uh, with moms and dads all over Montgomery County um, and – Allowing a free and safe place for them to talk. How can parents do right. the same? You know, if we had a right. I mean, we, ideally, this is happening at home, and it's happening from an early age. I mean, it's happening from the time they're learning about their body parts. That you are giving names to their body parts, so there can be a conversation. As they get older, you're talking about privacy. You're talking about, you know private parts and what is appropriate touching versus inappropriate. And it should start young. And as uncomfortable as it can be for some parents, they have to set that tone because if there is, if the parents put any shame or any embarrassment when they're talking, the kids are not going to feel like they can come and talk to their parents about it because, wow, how awkward was that? And then you, they can't expect when something awkward comes up, if the kids think it's awkward, they're not going to come talk to their parents. So it's really setting that tone early on. Now, of course, if you haven't talked to your kids about it, I would hate for parents to be like, oh, no, and be kicking themselves about it because the conversation can start at any time. And right. it should start because, you know, they will be dealing with, you know, what is not just sexual predators, but issues with sexuality, with sexual relationships, their own sexuality as they grow older and become involved in romantic relationships, those types of relationships, they have to learn how to protect themselves and respect their bodies as well. Well, um, that's a concern so, of mine, especially as uh, children who are in their adolescent stages, they're growing into, uh, and their bodies may be changing. And uh, I'm, I, I'm obviously not a doctor, but uh, I, I think children begin to change mentally and physically at the conclusion of about fifth grade. They're going into middle school, and that's when right, uh, a big transition. A whole, yeah, there's a brand new transition, and this sexual abuse that could occur in public schools that affects them. Uh, literally for the rest, many, many, many victims for the rest of their lives, and it changes how they view society, about how they communicate with people. Uh, there could be shut down. What are some of the the, the symptoms and and uh, of of that sexual abuse moving forward in later years? I think you know one of the big ones you hear about is just shame. You know they yeah. they are embarrassed. They don't understand it, and it really can impact their ability to kind of engage in relationships as they move forward. I think a lot of people get depressed, um, withdraw from 
the world because, you know, there's a, there's a huge lack of trust. How do you trust anybody when the people that are supposed to be protecting you don't protect you and, in fact, do the opposite and hurt you? Um, you know, it causes a lot of questioning. And you see, you know, if a child is abused at a young age, as they grow older, you know, different stages in life bring up different issues, you know, when you start dating, um, when you want to have kids, when you send your kids to school, when you get, you know, all of those things kind of bring it all back up again. So it ends up being a lifelong process for a lot of people to kind of, you know, it doesn't mean they're going to be in therapy for the rest of their life. It doesn't mean they're going to be depressed for the rest of their life, but it is something that continually is brought back up to the surface as they, you know, pass through different periods in the lifespan yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, my next question to you, what what impact does sexual abuse have on households? And, you know, how are families and marriages impacted by such accusations? You mean the accusations, like if it comes, like their kid came home and said, mom or dad, this happened to me? Right, absolutely. Right. I mean, I, it, I, it causes a huge crisis. Um, it's a crisis for most families because, there isn't any roadmap and there isn't any um, experience with how to deal with this. And some people want to bury it. You know, I think that's the first instinct. It's embarrassing. There's the stigma you mentioned earlier and other people, you know, really say, oh gosh, we need help. We need to do something about it. Um, and I think that it can, it can be a big rift based on if people really want to approach it in different manners. And obviously the first thing you have to do is figure out how to protect your child. Um, so, you know, my advice to any family is to, the first would be to figure out how to protect the child, you know, whatever that means, be to talk to the school, talk to child welfare, um, talk to the authorities and get your child the help that's needed. Um, and even if you're a loved one, your family doesn't agree with your methodology. If they feel like, no, no, let's let's not say anything. We don't want to embarrass our child. We don't want to make this public. You know, you have to protect your child because that initial response to their cry for help or their just you know their distress setting the stage for kind of how they're going to trust you through this whole process, through their process of healing. They need to know that there's a parent who's going to protect them and that they did the right thing, which would be to tell a parent. Kara, I, yeah, absolutely. And one of the, some of, sometimes in these situations where parents uh, have to examine this problem and it almost becomes a struggle between each parent when a, when a, when a child comes to a parent and expresses this accusation or expresses these something that had happened or occurred at school, an incident, um, oftentimes it can affect um, how each individual parent chooses to deal with it. And like you said earlier, shame is involved. Right. One parent, maybe the mom or the dad, says, no, we should not. Uh, we should keep this within the family and we'll just handle it uh, amongst ourselves. We'll keep this internally. And another parent says, no, we need to... Uh, we need to get our child help or we need to make sure that our child is not um, adversely affected by this. So I was wondering if you could talk just a little bit about what ha what happens if um, two parents disagree about the method to tackle this problem. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I mean, obviously, as a family therapist, my, my recommendation would be that they do need to get support. Um, there's no, like I, I said earlier, there's no roadmap and 
if you come to those crossroads where you're disagreeing, um, getting expert help has got to be your first step because there are people out there who have helped others navigate this. They have that experience, and they can sit down with you and guide you through this in a way that will help you be a little bit more grounded and make better decisions and help you focus because your emotions are going to be all over the place. And especially if your spouse is on a different page as you, you both need to sit down and figure out how to get on the same page for the sake of your child. Um, you know, and it doesn't have to be a, a family therapist per se. There could be a pastor or some other person in your life who just has that kind of knowledge that can help guide you through a situation. Uh, I'm sure that counselors inside of our public schools encounter all types of situations that would cause emotional distress within our students that they, that they come to. And I know that our our public school counselors, are, they're, they're well-trained in their profession, much like you are as yourself, and they, they, they right. utilize their experience. But when you speak with children, it's a much different uh, tone than you would with uh, an adult like you and I and to, that, that right. handle this, this sexual abuse. Um, and so my, my, my question is, what, what is the right tone? What's the way to strike the tone with children versus an adult? And you know, how do you set an 8- or 11-year-old down on a couch and – <laughs> yeah, I, I talk to them on a level that is so uh, just uh, like sexual abuse. It's so above their head because they don't even their their minds are growing into their own bodies. They're trying to understand life um, as a you know a young person. And uh, for me, as a, as a to to talk to my children about that, I I, I can't even. Uh, I don't even know if I would have the right things to say. But what can moms and dads say to speak to them on their level? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I mean, talking to them on their level has got to be, you know, your guideline. And it, it helps parents because I think that a lot of parents are, are too hard on themselves or they make it, um, you know, they get more worried about it. And I, and I guess right now I'm talking in terms of if nothing has happened, there haven't been any revelations of sexual abuse I um, mean, they, they get upset and they get worried about how to handle it. But in fact, the conversation doesn't have to be extremely long. It doesn't have to be, uh, you know, all the information. There shouldn't actually be a lot of details for, you know, especially the under 10 set who really sex sex has been very unfamiliar to them. You may have heard about it. You know, you may have talked to them about kind of the birds and the bees conversation. But, right. you know, you keep it at a level where they understand. And, and a lot of times they don't even ask that many questions. You, you know, you talk to them about what basic, you know, things are appropriate and inappropriate, and then really what to do if something happens, if somebody does something that they're uncomfortable with, com uncomfortable with how they handle that situation. Um, and I don't know how much you got into the specifics of that earlier, um, kind of what that conversation might look like, but... Well, no, I, and that's what I want to talk about. I want you to go into what are the exact specifics of of that particular conversation. You know, I want to let me paint a picture for you. If we were sitting at a kitchen table and we just finished dinner, and we have our two children, and our two children, uh, they may not have been subjected to this uh, this any any type of abuse, but a, say a uh, an administrator uh, sent a letter home and. 
Um, you, we can't ignore it, so we want to talk to them. They're sitting at our table, and we want to relay a message that is firm but is also sensitive to a child. So how would you do that? What are the specifics of doing that? So, I mean, I think, it, you know, if, if there was some situation that happened at school to ask them kind of what they know about that and kind of what their understanding of it is, and then maybe to clarify a little bit, because, you know, kids, you know, they have their own connections and things that you don't know where they hear about one thing and they may think something completely different happened. So you may have to kind of clarify for them what the issue is. But then, you know, you, you just talk about, you know, the under 10 set, you're talking more about that there's people that do things that are inappropriate or they make bad choices. And, and sometimes we as parents and you as kids have to protect yourselves from them. You know, the, the, the issue one of the really tough things is not to scare your kids. You know, you want to make right. sure that they understand that this isn't something that they need to really worry about, but just be cautious of, you know, that that people shouldn't touch you in certain places. Uh, you know, there's kind of this bathing suit rule that people talk about. Like the, if somebody is not trying to kind of, you know, um, focusing on keeping you clean or safe or healthy, then they shouldn't be touching you underneath where your bathing suit is and those areas. I mean, to be very specific. And right. then if somebody does what to do, that they need to talk to a person, if they if they're if they feel uncomfortable, they need to talk to a trusted adult. And you know, and and really talk about who that trusted adult is because, you know, they may think that person who's doing that to them is the trusted adult, but you know, mom and dad or grandma, you know, you in your family, everybody, you know who those trusted adults would be. And, um, you know, I, I think a good message to send to the kids as well is a, about secrets because you hear all the time that um, sexual predators will say, this is our secret. Keep this between you and us. Don't tell anybody about this. So to actually be a kind of ahead of that, a step ahead and say, look, we don't keep secrets from our parents. In fact, um, you know, they need to understand that anything, any secret can be told to parents. Secret, parents keep secrets too so that it, they feel like, okay, well, it may be a secret, but if I tell my parents, they're going to keep it a secret. So it makes With, it a little bit – go ahead. No, I was going to – no, please, 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 by all means, finish your thought. No, that's all I was going to say, just that they need to understand that secrets are not necessarily something they have to keep to themselves, that parents can be secret keepers too. Okay, so I would I wanted to mention that with us we have Kara Smith, uh, a marriage and family therapist from Bethesda, and you are with us on the Change Montgomery County Network. And Kara, what Change Montgomery County? Uh, we are a nonprofit. We're a startup, and we're registered as a 501c4. We're focused on education and advocacy, and providing uh, community community engagement tools to uh, the residents of Montgomery County. And what Montgomery Change Montgomery County intends to do is uh, work with. Uh, folks of your expertise and to build bridges inside of our community and to tackle these tough issues because I know that it's tar it's hard many people are probably uh, uncomfortable talking about these issues tackling um, alleged sexual abuse because no nobody wants to talk about that because uh, but but we have to as parents and we have to be able to to find the, the tools and use the resources that we have at our disposal and that's what change Montgomery County is hoping to provide and 
individuals like yourself that have years of experience talking to children and working with families and parents, um, you're helping us uh, build a bridge directly into the public schools. Um, have you uh, have you ever had any involvement with the Montgomery County Public Schools? Yeah, I've worked. Um, yeah, I've worked quite a bit with uh, guidance counselors and. Um, you know, obviously when you work with to collaborate with the other providers in their lives. So um, it's, um, it's an important part of being a family therapist is to work right. in schools. So yeah, I, was, I was doing plenty of research, and Montgomery County is trying to legitimately address this problem. And earlier in the show, I did read a statement. Um, it was by uh, their, um, their public information officer. Um, and it was hard to get people to come on and talk about this, obviously, because I, I, I'm sure I'm assuming because of the nature and the sensitivity. Um, but uh, I, I'm glad that you you're so willing to do this because there's a lot of parents out there that are reading the WUSA nine article and they may have act they're 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 reacting to it. And we want parents to react. We want parents to reach out. We want parents to utilize the organization like Change Montgomery County to learn more what we can do, how we can combat that, and how we can implement a, a remedy to this problem. So I mean, I want to ask you, what um, what do you think Montgomery County Public Schools can do next? Um, you know, I mean, if they want to remedy the problem, then they, you know, I think it's always important to, like I said earlier, to be transparent, but to also to reach out to the community and to you know, have an open conversation about what's going on and what they're doing to um, make sure that their kids are safe, what changes are being made. I mean, a big concern was background checks. I mean, those are fairly easy Absolutely. to um, do and uh, seemingly something that you would think would already have been done for um, years, but if it's not doing, are they doing it now, and how can they be sure that this is being done on a, a level? You know, there's a lot of different, you can do very, very cursory background checks, and you can do very extensive background checks, and so how are we making sure that they are doing all, making all efforts to uh, make sure that the people that are in the schools with the kids are people that are there to protect them and help them grow and learn as humans Um as they're supposed to. Um, but, right, just like you want to have, we want to have open dialogues with our kids, they need to be having open dialogues with the parents and that this is um, something that they need to be setting a real um, a real kind of standard for. So they're setting an example. This is a conversation that, though it's hard, needs to be talked about, and we will talk about it. You know, if they're making it shameful, then it it feels shameful. And, you know, we want... From the you know top of the head of the, the superintendent to you know the children in kindergarten to know that this is a topic that can and should right. be talked about it if right. necessary. So I was I you know I, I had reached out to uh, the Montgomery County Public Schools and I read an earlier statement and uh, their uh, director of public information and web services uh, web services Dana Tofik he said that they're putting together a work group. Uh, that includes representatives from Montgomery County Public Schools, the community, the state's attorney's office, child protective services, the police department, and others to help develop recommendations and a, a guide to work on uh, this particular problem in this particular area. And the work of the group uh, informed uh, the recommendations for changes. And um, there, you know, I think 
they're going to try to hire an outside firm to monitor the progress and insist, uh, assist with the implementation. Um, so they had to come up with a list of strategies, um, a couple being, one, increased training for staff, including mandatory training for every staff member, uh, revising and updating policies surrounding child abuse and neglect, uh, conducting criminal and uh, and sex offender registry backgrounds, as, like we just discussed. Um, and But he said that they were going to be uh, using um, maybe a more advanced background check, um, and um, they're going to conduct education and awareness campaigns for students and parents regarding child abuse and neglect. And all these things sound great, on, uh, and, and I, I can appreciate the response and the proactivity. Um, do you think that it's going to take more than a, a, a PR campaign? I don't want to downgrade Montgomery County for what they're doing to address this, but many parents have questions saying, well, why, didn't you, why wasn't this addressed first and foremost? This is talk, we're talking about the safety of our children. What, what say you? Yeah, I mean, I think once a trust has been breached, it's hard to regain trust. I mean, I, I guess it's one of those things that they really have to, sh- you know, show us their show us their money, you know, put it on the table and see that change is being made. Um, you know, will it be all made public? Kind of maybe the findings of this. I know you said they're hiring some firms to kind of right. monitor it. You know, how do they make it again transparent so everybody can see what is actually changing you know you have you can hear about the change but you have to see the change so how do you help the parents all the concerned citizens see that the change is actually being made and so i think that would be an important piece of the ongoing um conversation with the school is how they show parents that change is being made so they can rebuild trust in the school kara uh uh, to to finish out the show, we're we're uh, a few minutes from uh, the final cut. Where can parents find you, uh, and how can they get in touch with you? I am with Lindsay Hoskins and Associates in Bethesda, Maryland. Um, uh, we have a website www.lindsayhoskins.com, um, and I'm on Psychology Today. You probably just search my name, and you can find us. Okay. Well, Kara, I sincerely appreciate your time this evening, and I certainly hope that in the future uh, when we have issues like tonight that you would uh, join us again and come back and talk. Great. I would be happy to help. Thank you for having me. You bet. Anytime. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. So that was Kara Smith uh, from Bethesda. She is a marriage and family therapist. I think that tonight was a wonderful, uh, informative show from professionals who uh, were able to provide parents with the resources they need to talk about this problem and relate to our young, uh, our students and talk to them on a level, a very humanistic level. Um, This was a tough show. Look, dealing with sexual abuse in any public schools, in any situation, even outside of public schools, of course, um, we have to learn how to be sensitive to make logical uh, steps. Obviously, we're going to be emotional, but as parents, we have a duty and an obligation, and and our our supreme duty as parents is to protect our children. This is the Montgomery County, the Change Montgomery County Network. You can find Change Montgomery County on the web at changemoco.org. That's changemoco.org. And 
this show as we progress. We're progress. And we're going to come up with many different topics, and I hope that you'll join us. I hope that you'll get involved. Uh, you can call me anytime. You can email me, ryanrminer at gmail.com. Uh, this is only the beginning. We have so much to look forward to with the Change Montgomery County Network. I'm so excited about the future, and I hope you are too. My name is Ryan Miner. You are listening to A Minor Detail, brought to you by the Change Montgomery County Network. Thank you, and have a safe and snowy day tomorrow. <laughs>